So before I hit record, we were talking about our favorite candy because it is Halloween. We're recording on a Monday. Uh, a little it's weird, nice. but uh, the Islanders play the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow at 8.30 at night, and we decided to not be up all night watching the game and, and recording and doing all that uh, because we feel old. So, recording on well, Monday. Well, I also have Happy to up. cover the Devils game at 10 p.m. because they're in Vancouver. So, boo, tomato. Double duty for me tomorrow, which is boo, tomato is right. Um, but we're going to concentrate on the Islanders and Halloween. So, favorite Halloween candy. I also don't think you can guess mine. Okay. Well, all right. So, is it chocolate or is it gummy? Chocolate. We get, okay. We get three of these. We get three of these. Three questions. So, it's chocolate. Um, is it a single ingredient or multiple? Multiple. And does it come in a multi, like in multiple sections, or is it one bar? Multiple sections. Okay. I feel Kit Kat's too obvious. Multiple sections. That might be an overrated candy bar, in my opinion. It is good, but I feel like it's a little overrated. Hmm. Multiple. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm not up to my. I'm not on my game with multiple sections of candy bars take five <gasps> i i love a take five that that's an excellent one yeah take it's five a little off excellent. the board they i i see it it's in grocery stores up here i've seen it around um but it's not not as common like it's definitely not a halloween candy you get you so, have to go to, i don't know where who's giving those out yeah, and, and I just saw recently um, Reese's makes their own variation of the Take 5. It's got like the pretzels, the peanuts, the caramel, the chocolate, and the peanut butter in it. And obviously Reese's. Um, I wonder if they're the same company or not now that I'm thinking about it. I don't even know who makes Take 5. It's just in a red, it used to be red, uh, wrapper. And they'd come yeah. in like two or four. Uh, and they were great. Great road, road trip candy. Because you can just kind of like take one and pop it in a uh, couple bites. Uh, love the salty sweet altogether. Yeah. So yeah, no, same, really same questions. One. Same questions to you. So I my mom grew up trying to force her love of 100 grand on me. And I do enjoy 100 grand, but it's not my favorite. You this said Kit long. Kat. You said Kit Kat's an overrated candy. Kind of broke my heart a little bit, but I'm going to go with Twix. I love Twix. Oh, I was going to ask you the questions. You just blew it. Oh. All right. Well, you're not good at this game. I totally slipped my mind. I am not good at this game. I'm going to be better at the game at the end of the show. Yeah, we're doing another little game show at the end. (laughs) Um, You know who was good at these games? The New York Islanders. A week worth of win. Of wins for the New York Islanders this week, all three yeah. uh, since the last time we recorded, which yeah. that was not the feeling that I think either of us got. We knew it was no. a big week; it was going to be really tough. Um, you know, depending on how they lost, one and two wouldn't have been the worst thing. Just to kind of see the team improve a little bit, expectations kind of blown out of the water. Um, seemed like a little bit of a, a season reset 
um, particularly that Carolina game. But we'll we'll jump into that. Before that, though, waving Kiefer Bellows. Lou Lamorella waves Kiefer Bellows uh, the day of the Ranger game, I believe, on Wednesday the 26th. Um, So I want to talk about that first. We've we've discussed that it was a troubling or questionable signing to begin with, tying up $1.2 million, not being able to kind of maybe sign some depth. Um, now they open up a roster spot. Um, did they have they recalled Robin Sallow? I don't think he's he's played in the last three games, if I'm not mistaken. He, he I believe he's with the team right now, though, on their their road trip. He practiced with them this morning, so I don't remember okay. seeing an official recall, but he's there, which is funny so, that now that I'm saying that because I did learn recently talking to somebody the other day um, at the Devils game that you know it's funny like if you send a player through waivers and they clear, did you know that all they have to do is they have to physically show up in person to um, let's say you know Bridgeport say hello and then. They could leave and go right back to the, you know, the Islanders and, and practice with them and stay with them if they really wanted to or if the team really wanted that that player to do so. They don't have to stay in Bridgeport. They they uh, if if let's say, for instance, Lou Lamorello said, we're waving you. You're going to Bridgeport, but you're coming back to practice with us. You'll, you're technically on paper in Bridgeport, but you're, you're coming to us. I didn't know that that was uh, allowed. And I found out the other day that 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 players can do that. Interesting, because that was kind of what needed to happen. Bellows needed to be waived, or another player needed to be waived, in order to open up a roster spot to bring back Robin Sallow. Now, I suspected early last week that any decision that was going to be made about that that waiver by you know one of the players on the honors getting waived was going to happen ahead of the team's road trip because they were not going to go on this road trip with six defensemen. Uh, they, they were going to find a way to get a seventh. And it was just a matter of how that was going to happen. Uh, a trade seemed unlikely, um, even though there were some rumors about Kiefer Bellows and a deal being made. Um, it, it just didn't seem like that that formulated. So just your thoughts on Kiefer Bellows being waived by the New York Islanders. Yeah, so real quick, uh, officially, Robin Sella was recalled. Just wanted to make that note. But um you know, I you said it best in in the summer, right? Why did this player receive a one point two million dollar one way deal? What did he do to prove himself to be worthy of that kind of a contract, right? So the Islanders put themselves in a little bit of a bind there when it came to the time that you know they had to make a decision on him. Now, you know, another excellent point that you made this summer was if you're going to sign him to that contract. Um, or if you don't sign up to that contract, sorry, you have a little bit more room to play with and maybe bringing in somebody else who will actually contribute to the lineup, right? So I don't know. It, it didn't surprise me to see him being waived um, because of, of who he is. It surprised me to see him being waived just because I, I really thought that Lamorello was going to injured reserve his way out of this, like he always seemingly did. But That would have been very know, not- hard the whole season. No, I agree like with there, you. There, he needed to, it needed to happen, and that's why I I speculated or I uh, educated guests, rather, that it was going to happen this week or, you know, it was leading yeah. up to this where they were going to start going on the road. They they couldn't play that game. You can't go on the road right. with six defensemen. So it was 
that was pretty much bound to happen. I, I don't know that it was a surprise to anybody. Yeah. So the, long story short here, they wave bellows. He gets picked up by the flyers. And my initial reaction was, all right, you know, is what it is, right? Like the, the Islanders didn't give him much of a chance to prove himself because, you know, they, again, signed into that contract. He, he spoke a big game of, I can be a contributor. I can score, but they let him play once. So if they're not going to use him, then maybe he should be in Bridgeport where he can play. Um, but the only way that he could have gotten there is if he cleared. And unfortunately he didn't, um, or maybe fortunately for him, you know, he, he didn't cause now he's with the flyers. He did play a single game the other night, you know, nothing special. He went minus one through three hits and recorded a giveaway in 11 minutes and 50 seconds. So, you know, they, I, I don't feel like they lost anything just because, you know, he's been with the organization since 20, what do you get drafted? 2016. I believe it was, or I, I'm looking yeah, at his thing right 26, now. 2016, 19th, 19th overall, 2016. 19th overall, 2019 was his first season, so it took him a little while to get there, and, you know, nothing really special since. He scored six goals and, and 13 assists in 45 games last season, which was okay, you know, for his first real NHL season. Um, but, you know, he, he, he didn't really show anything, so... The Flyers need bodies. They took a gamble on him. And look, if it works out for him there, great. But it just wasn't working out for him with the Islanders. And and they have other guys now coming through the pipeline who have surpassed him in, in terms of, and I, I know he wasn't a prospect, but in prospect status, quote unquote, they've surpassed him. Ratu, DeFore, um, maybe even this kid, Ruslan Iskakov, who I don't know if you've paid attention, John, but he's third overall in scoring in the AHL. So, yeah, eleven points in seven games, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he looks fantastic. Like you know, he's he's the AHL's Johnny Gaudreau right now. Um, so he, listen, is what it is. Not a major loss. <laughs> they gained one point two million dollars against the cap. Uh, you know, good luck. Yeah, I so I mean, Kiefer Bellows. It looked like he had fifty points in uh, 125 games in the AHL, which isn't great so he didn't really set the world on fire down there and he you know it's barely it's less than two full seasons so he played 73 games and then 52 games and then he was kind of on the islanders roster just as as a cheap player um that 13th 14th forward and you know you could argue he really didn't get his chance he played 45 games uh last season he had 20 points in 45 games um, but for where the Islanders wanted to be this season and really push the needle, he was competing with like Zach Parise and Josh Bailey and Anthony Bavillier, and maybe to an extent Kyle Palmieri, although it's the opposite, the opposite wing, depending on, you know, the line. So it just really wasn't going to work out. And, and I think Sashnikov brought more to the table as far as a, yeah. a bottom six replacement and he's cheaper. So I think he was playing that role better, and so you you save one point two million off the cap, but you really even you almost save a little bit more than that um, because it's set one point two versus whatever uh, Sashnikov is is maybe seven fifty. Yeah. So you're you're getting that player cheaper, and you save the money, and you don't have to worry about playing him. Like he's a thirteenth forward. That's what he's meant to be. Bellows. Yeah. I think they felt a little pressured to to play him a, a, a little bit. So. 
And, and, and let's let's not forget too. Know. Right, you you mentioned Kiefer Bellows' you know uh, AHL stats. His best season also came after he was found guilty of uh, PEDs. You know that kind of got swept under the rug. He served his time uh, or suspension. You know we we found that out after the fact. So his best season came after he was found guilty of that and he was suspended. And after that, he didn't really show much else. Right. Remember that one month in the AHL where I think he had something absurd, like 10 goals and like 25 points or something like that. Um, you know, th- then suddenly he was found guilty of what he was found guilty of. So, and, and you're right. He was competing with, there's too much of a log jam on the, on the wings, you know, like it or not, Josh Bailey's looking better. Um, so they're they're not going to not play him, especially at his cap hit. Oliver Wallstrom is now playing on the first line with Matthew Barzell, and he actually looks pretty good. Um, Paul Mary, we're going to we're going to talk about we're going to talk all about that later. So don't dive in. Yeah, yeah, like, no, just like, like brief, all the qualifications, just, just yeah. You know, just just there's just plenty of people ahead of him who look good or better. Yeah, I, it's it's a good point about the the PEDs and. Um, it's disappointing. Like the the first thing I thought of is another, you know, you know what's becoming a long list of first round draft picks that just never materialized with with the Islanders or are no longer with with the team. Um, Josh Hosang, Michael Dal Cole, now Kiefer Bellows. Yeah. You want to go back a little bit further? Um, yeah, you know, is like is John Tavares, but there's a lot of first round draft picks that. Just haven't made it. Um, Lou Lamarillo yeah. has not had one. Uh, maybe his first season, which is kind of like he walked in and, and in 2018 and picked Noah Dobson and um, Oliver Wallstrom, if I'm not mistaken, in that first round. Um, so he really didn't have any time to like trade anything and kind of figure things out. He kind of just went to the draft. But since then, he hasn't three straight seasons. They haven't had one. Um you know they Nelson and Bavillier and some other players of and and Barzell obviously um, over the years, but th- there's not a lot of first round draft picks that have stuck. Um, so the fact that a, a Ratu is around and a William Dufour is around, um, hopefully they can figure that out long term um, and, and fill that pipeline because there are going to be a few spots eventually open in that lineup. It really just depends on their development, but. Um, going on, moving on a little bit here to the wins over the last week against the Rangers, Hurricanes, and Avalanche. Um, I want to talk about that Ranger game. Sorokin steals one, sure. and yes, not to say that he didn't do that in the past, but it really felt like it was his game the entire time, and that yep. that the Islanders really needed him to kind of. They needed a hero. They needed somebody to step up, and Sorokin answered the call. And it was just a great... I, th- I thought it was a, a great, resilient win by him and, and the rest of the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's funny, too. The, the I was listening to some podcasts. I, I've been listening to a bunch of these. I can't remember who. But, you know, a good point was brought up that you expect that from the guy who... Is usually on the other end of the ice in that game, right? Igor Shosturkin didn't play, obviously. It was Jaroslav Halak, but a lot of the comparisons of that game were drawn back to uh, Igor Shosturkin. So, which 
is an excellent comparison to be made because he just won the Vezina last season, right? And and now, you know, you're looking at a goaltender in Ilya Sorokin who is regarded as one of those guys who, if the Islanders make the playoffs, because apparently that's an uh, unwritten requirement, uh, he could possibly win this, the, the Vezina this, this year if he plays the way he has started this season. So um, Sorokin is going to do that, man. We, You and I have spoken about you know, the Islanders haven't had a goaltender like this uh, since the early Rick Pietro days, right? Um, but he's he's just, you know, he's getting better every game, which is crazy. Like, dating back to when he started with the, with the Islanders, not just like this this season. He's getting better every, every game he plays. Uh, the athleticism is off the charts. The, the positioning is just perfect. Like, he's... You know, he had some small intricacies in his game when he first came over to the North American ice that he needed to figure out. But now he's just like he's lights out. The the, the New York Rangers, look, they, were, they came in on a three game slide. The Islanders handed them their fourth loss in a row, which is which is kind of crazy to say about a Rangers team who has been projected to be one or two in the Metropolitan Division and possibly go to the Stanley Cup, not just the playoffs, but Sorokin really just put the team on his back that game. And, you know, the, the Islanders didn't play fantastic in front of him. They just played good enough at a point. Kyle Palmieri wound up potting two goals. Josh Bailey gets his first of the season. Um, they did enough in front of him to, you know, win the game, but they don't win that game without Sorokin doing what he did. There was probably, you know, four or five saves that he made in that game that probably should have found the back of the net. So the, the New York Rangers... I'm not mistaken, scored like three and a half goals per game last season. You know, that's uh, and, and the 41 shots they put up um, it, is a good endorsement of that. Right. So they probably should have scored a lot more than they did in that game. And they have actually wound up with a goose egg and Sorokin just again, he stole a game. And and that's a sign of a good team sometimes. Right. Your, your team's not always going to play well in front of you. But if you have the goaltending to back it and fortunately for the Islanders, they might have the best goaltending in the NHL with the tandem they have, uh, you know, you're going to need a goaltender to steal one for you every once in a while. And, and that's what Sorokin did. I thought in addition to Sorokin, who, like like I said, I, I think every game you need a different hero or two or three different players to play a significant role in your win. And you need the rest of the lineup to just play a supporting role. It's not your night every night. Um, some nights you're going you're gonna to play better than others. Bounces are going to go your way. But you really, for the Islanders, you just really need a couple players. And I thought what, what I really liked about this is Kyle Palmieri gets two. Yeah. Um, Josh Bailey gets one. Sorokin's really good. Those are your three players. Everyone else just needs to play their role and play defense. Lock it down, play a good game. And and that's ultimately what happens. So I like that. Like, I don't need Kyle Palmieri to do that every night. I need him to do that every once in a while. When when there's an opportunity, the team needs a couple goals. I need him to step up and do that, right? He's playing he's playing on the third line. His his role with with uh, with Pajot and Parise that the P three line at, although no one said that yet I'm a little disappointed, um, but I coined that in the yeah. summer. I thought that that would be a good line, especially for Lambert who wants to set an example for some of the younger players, and and say this is how a line should play. This is this is what I expect out of out of this team. Um, with the offense, the way that Parise plays, um, there the three of them are pretty hard nosed for being smaller guys. And I like that line. So it's it, it's nice to see the three of them playing really well together. 
and getting rewarded on the score sheet, not just in praise, like what a good third line, kind of like the fourth line used to be. Um, yeah. So I, I like that he got rewarded there and, and had a couple goals. Yeah, we're going to talk a little later about how like the lines, if they're working and, and what they look like right now. But the thing about those goals from Paul Mary, it, it's crazy because like I watched those two goals he scored. Those are goal scorers goals, right? He he got all of those pucks, you know, bar downs, you know, top shelves. And, and I watched him score those goals. And I'm like, man, he, he can really sling it. Why does he disappear? Because it's not like he doesn't play a hard game night in and night out. I'd, I'd attribute his effort to the same of, of Parise when he's on the ice. But something about Paul Mary, he just he scores in bunches, you know, kind of like how Brock Nelson used to do it. He's become more consistent now. But Brock Nelson used to score in, in bunches, right? You saw the ability. Obviously, now he, he can do it. But Kyle Paul Mary is similar in that sense where, you know, you'll see him score two goals like he did against the Rangers. And then you'll, you know, the next four or five games, he won't. And then he'll score two more or even a hat trick um, or, or he'll score three or four in two games and then go missing for a week. He's been a 25 goal scorer. If he could just, I mean, and look, he's on the third line now, so maybe it's a moot point, but you know, he has that ability. He could score 20, 25 goals. And, and if, if the Islanders get that from him, it's, that's a treat. So and we're going <laughs> to, you know, it's Halloween. So that, that's a, that's a treat for them. I, I think even on that third line, I think I had said this, like if, if Parise and Palmieri can score, 10 to 15 goals 15 on the high end like that would be a lot 11 9 to 11 goals each realistically for the season would be great you know Parise's yeah. got uh you know he picked up one in in the Carolina game um if you want to move on to, to that as well a 6-2 victory um and what I think was a really really big statement game for them right the Rangers I think you can come out it's emotional it's a rival you're coming off a losing streak. You have to win that game. You, you can't sure. go into the weekend uh, losing four in a row. That's a lot of pressure. So they they take some pressure off. They win that game. Sorokin kind of steals one. Um, Palmieri comes alive. That That's great. That Carolina game, though, to me, and I, I think I even tweeted it from our account, that was the turnaround game for the season. If this season continues yeah. this way, where they're actually sneaking up and, and, and making a, a very serious run for the playoffs, right? From there, they're an actual contender. We know what they can do in, in, if they make the playoffs, but they got to get there. So if yeah. they actually get, you know, they wind up in the whatever, the wild card doesn't really even matter. That I'm going to point to that game in particular as that helped them turn around because they beat a very good defensive team with a good goalie six to two and I, I think that's a really big a really big deal and I, I thought the you know in the one game you knew you only needed a couple heroes and in that one it showed the depth of their scoring and, and what they were able to do every line um had a goal and Nelson got two which is great for October but every line was contributing so while on some nights you only need three goals, it's nice when when your whole lineup can kind of find a way to contribute. What did you see from that game? And again, an, another brilliant performance by Sorokin, not to be you know, outdone sure. by the offense. Um, 943 save percentage on 35 shots for the game and 33 saves. 
Yeah. I, so it was funny because like I didn't watch that game live. I was I was covering another team at the time, but I did I did go back and watch it, you know, later. And a couple things just really came together in this game, right? Obviously, like you said, Sorokin had a really good performance, but you started to see the from from the get go. You know, Barzell feeds Wallstrom for that beautiful opening goal that you just love to see a a a, a guy who look likes to distribute the puck pass it to a guy who just loves to rip it and seamlessly, right? The puck barely touches Wallstrom's stick and it's already in the back of the net. You haven't Love seen see that, that since Tavares and name a winger, right? Sure. So like, you know, it's been five, oh, like it feels like four, four or five years, but that was what he did with like Parento and Oposo and uh, yeah. Molson and like, and those, I, I hate that. Like, I think they're, those players are near and dear to the, like certain Islander fans hearts just from sure. those time periods. But like, we all know Tavares made them those players I and mean, he made them a lot of money. So yeah. good on them. But he never really had that player. So I can't even think of a one, two punch that was quite like that, 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 right. I, that we haven't seen that connection. It just looked too good. That looked like a highlight on like an ESPN highlight or something else where someone's like, that's how that's done. And it's been a long time since you've seen it in none of the jerseys. Right. So, and, and, you know, one of the things or two of the things you're seeing there is okay. Barzell starting to come into his own and be that point per game player. We're looking for, Wallstrom starting to come into his own and know where Barzell's going to be on the ice, know where he has to be positionally to start filling the net and guess what he does, right? Then, you know, knee just ties the game at one in the second period. But what happens a couple minutes later, the fourth line, the fourth line who kind of looks like shades of their, their former selves uh, or, and that might be being a little pessimistic. They, they look a little bit better than that, honestly. Um, Matt Martin forces a turnover and and winds up scoring. Uh, they do give it right back, but they take it right back after again. Who takes over a shift? Matthew Barzell distributes the puck to Josh Bailey, who made an excellent, beautiful move to beat Frederick Anderson and give them the lead again. Then they just put the pedal to the metal in the third period and just take over Brock Nelson two goals in the empty net from Zach Parise. And that was the Last- statement that I thought. Like that was the the response. Usually, it's the other way around. The Islanders. Well, okay. So because what I was the game. Is, go ahead. Go ahead. Last year's team folds. They didn't do that, and they didn't do that against a formidable opponent in in the Carolina Hurricanes, who are projected to win the division and be a, a deep playoff threat again. They they went into Carolina and took over that game, which is. Look, it's early. 10% of the season has passed, which is a, a decent sample size. That game, like you said, that's the turnaround. And and that you you look at that game and you say, because you know, honestly, the the, the hurricanes aren't missing that much, right? They never had patch ready to start, but they do have Brent Burns now, and they have good goaltending in Frederick Anderson, and they have a you know, a, a really deep team. They, they lost Nino Niederreiter, but they have, you know, guys like Martin Nietzsche stepping up. And um, I forget the other, um, I forget the other prospects name on, on their team right now. Who's, who's really good, but the hurricanes are a threat. They're a top team in the NHL and the Islanders went into their home, took over the game after a, a bit of a back and forth, put the pedal to the metal and, and, and came away with that win convincingly. 
So it was a good statement by you saying that this was the turnaround because again, that team in 2021, 22, they fold. They yeah, fold. I, 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 and it's usually the other way around too. It was the Islanders who uh, would tie the game and then let it back up in on the next shift, like 17 Correct. seconds later. So it's like, yeah, they would either fold or they were the team um, that were, that was in that position where they, even if they were a good team um, and then over the last two seasons, when they were a pretty good team, they would that would happen pretty often historically. I feel like that happened. You know, the Islanders gave up. They tied the game and gave it right back up in within thirty seconds. And and that's really tough. And I I liked the way that you said that. You know, they they got the lead back and then just never looked back. You know, yeah. they regained the lead and never looked back. And and I think that's that was to me that was what was really telling. Um, again, the scoring was was very spread out, and you like to see that. And. Yeah, that was, you know, I think that game and, and we're kind of going through all these games pretty quickly, but I, I think it tells a story here um, and we're going to get to, you know, some other bigger questions about that. But I think I think for now, when you look at that and you're, you're going from game to game, it really gave them the confidence in the game against the Avalanche, perhaps the, you know, their best opponent in in the week. And that's really not a knock on those other two teams. This is the defendants Stanley Cup champions we're talking oh, about. Of course. Here. And. They kind of went in there. They get down three nothing, and you have to have at that point. You have to have a belief in yourself. And that what I said last week is, um, if you remember, when they start, when we can tell they're giving up on each other, that's when there's a real problem on this team, and you got to just sell. There's no recapturing the group. If it's falling apart, it's falling apart. As at that point, it has nothing to do with what you think the skill is done on paper and all of that kind of stuff. They're not playing for one another. They're not stepping up for one another. That's when you have a real problem i i think that's a problem right. with a lot of these teams that can't get over that hump that was like you know san jose for all those years or st louis for all those years or toronto for ever um you know a lot, a lot of these teams where they're just like that next step playing for one another and really stepping up they're, they're just not capable of that for whatever reason whether that's leadership or coaching or both um the makeup of the room any kind of that stuff the chemistry um this was like the second statement game, right? They, they don't, they're not able to do that against the Avalanche if they don't have that statement the night before. The Avalanche was a kind of a different story because they really took over that the second half of that game. Yeah. And again, the scoring was very, the, the scoring was spread out. And I like some goals came from the defenseman, an, another one from Scott Mayfield. That's his third of the season. Yeah. Well, um, let, let's talk about, let's talk about that goal. Let's talk about that goal specifically, just because I and I tweeted this out with the video that we've been asking, and it you know Scott Mayfield was the goal scorer, but the play was made by Matthew Barzell, and we've been asking for a long time if Matthew Barzell can be the guy who takes over a game, takes over a shift. We've had this conversation a lot, and and drag his team to a win, and they were down a goal. He enters the zone with the puck, takes a shot uh, at the right circle, gets his own rebound, takes it to the far wall, skates the defender out of his own skates, finds ice in front of him to make a play with his head up the entire time, mind you, and threads a needle to Scott Mayfield for a beautiful assist to tie that game. That was the moment for me when I said, Okay, Matthew Barzell is going to score 82 points or more this season. 
He's got 10 assists right now in, I believe it's nine games. He has yet to score. That's coming. He can stand to shoot more, and I think that's going to happen. But the way that they played, the, the, the game against the Hurricanes was impressive enough because of that back and forth, and they finally they they said, you know what? We're taking this game. Against the, the Avalanche, though, they were down 3 nothing with half of the game already behind them. Most people seeing the matchup say, defending Stanley Cup champions, Nathan McKinnon, Kel McCarr, they got it in the bag. The Islanders took over again. They said, nope, not happening. And I wrote about this earlier, um, a piece that came out today. Lambert said after the uh, second loss to the the Florida Panthers um, on October 23rd that there was no concern that the right pieces are here. Um, it's a matter of just generating the chemistry and and you know getting um, getting the right, I guess, affairs in order with the lineup. We're gonna talk about that too, like I said earlier. But it just it looks like the right buttons have been pushed and. The, the sentiment ever since Lou Lamorello stepped into uh, the GM's chair has been the same in the locker room that there's no concern about the right pieces. These guys believe in themselves and they play for each other. And it was so incredibly evident this week, so incredibly evident that they really do play for each other. They beat three teams who are all in the conversation to play in the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Sezikis And they did is... it twice coming from behind. I mean, that's, in, that's, that's pretty absurd. Yeah, Sezikis uh, made a mention uh, some some time ago. I was reading a Kevin Kerr's article um, earlier today, and he said like it just it just was it just taking some time to really get those systems together and and um, and figure some stuff out. But we saw it when it works, right? Yeah. Um, and just to go back to Barzell for a second, and, and um, you know the impressive season he's he's off to in, in nine games. Um, a few people have this, but I'm, I'm reading Joe Pantorno's tweet. Matthew Barzell is the first Islander skater since Vladimir Malakov. And I believe this is on the broadcast as well. In 1993 with 10 assists in the New York Islanders first nine games of the season. Only the 15th time in franchise history this has happened. So this yeah, is definitely a player. And, you know, I think if, if um, even if Barzell was a 75 point guy and it was 15 goals and 55 assists, it's a really good season on a team that you know, historically hasn't scored a bunch of goals, even though that that's what it is. But that means the players around him are scoring goals. That means at this point, Bailey's got 20 goals. That means Wallstrom's got 20 goals. Um, and probably some on the power play. Obviously, he's, he's assisting on on players like um, Scott Mayfield and, and, and different things like that. So I think that's good for the Islanders. They really don't need to have anyone set the world on fire. They, they need to use their depth and, and that scoring to, to win games, or they just need somebody like a Palmieri and their goalie to step up. They need to hit someone to score two, two goals and for Sorokin to stay on their head. And, and some nights that's enough on some nights you need to score six goals and then you need to score five the next, you know, empty nets, you know, notwithstanding, but you know, four and five goals at you know, at either even strength or um, on the power play. And, and that's, it's good to know that they can play that game too. Three nothing is more of an eye on their win. 
those other games, I don't know that I would expect that on a regular basis. And two games in a row, back to back, no less, is a really, really good sign for a team that wasn't expected to be in it. And it's a reversal of, of that losing streak. Nassiman Hockey is brought to you by DraftKings. Hey, hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. As an Islander fan, you're probably pretty stoked with the way Ilya Sorokin's season has started in net. Why not throw some money down on the chance that he'll win the Vezina Trophy by the end of the season? If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you'd like. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Two quick side notes. One, um, I just want to gloss over. Do you know who leads the NHL right now in expected goals per 60 minutes? The New York Islanders. Uh, no, sorry. Individual player. Individual player. Zach Parise. It is Zach Parise. 2.29 expected goals per 60 minutes. That's almost a full goal uh, expected per 60 to the, to the next best player. Sam Bennett at 1.55. So that just is a, a little uh, attribute to how well Zach Parise is playing, you know, 38 years old um, on the third line for the New York Islanders, but leads the league and expected goals per 60. Um, good for Zach. But the other thing I wanted to really quickly mention, I didn't, I don't think you put it in the show notes here. No. So one of the things that you, you have to look at and, and obviously mention as a, a, one of the main reasons why the Islanders are playing so well right now, um, the Hurricanes went 0 for 3 on the, their power play. The Avalanche. They went, scored one. Did they? They scored one. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they went one for two. The Islanders are twenty-eight for twenty-nine in penalty kills, or or twenty-nine for thirty in penalty kills. Um, what? <laughs> what? That's. Yeah. It shows well, their defensive structure. It shows that. Um, that part of their game is is still there, and maybe the last three yes. or four seasons was was you know not that it wasn't a fluke, but that's it's really in their DNA to do that, and that's what playoff teams do. And, and but the thing I'm seeing that's a little bit different is, and and n- this is not Trot's slander. I absolutely loved everything he did. It's just a different approach where they're taking a little bit of that structure that they learned under Trot's. But they're using the the new aggressiveness that Lambert has is trying to instill, and it's constant puck pressure. Pressure that puck, pressure that puck, no matter where it is, push the puck up the ice, and do you know it, what I mean by that is like just be in your opponent's face. If the puck is on their stick, be on their stick. Put your stick on their stick. Put your body on their body. Make them make a bad play. And I think that's what Lane Lambert is doing so well with this team is, is really promoting playing aggressive in your face hockey. I'll move on to, you know, you, you, you bring up Lambert. Um, I definitely want to talk about the, the lines and ultimately 
where Lambert has landed with them. So we have Bailey, Barzell, Wallstrom, um, Lee, Nelson, Bavillier, Parise, Peugeot, Palmieri, and then the fourth line. Um, has he found what works? As is this the recipe for success? And does he need to stick with it for some time until it doesn't? Right? Like they, I don't yeah. think this is was even the lineup for all three games, frankly. But it was the majority of of it was is yeah. was around this. Even if it starts to not work and they lose, they really shouldn't lose against Chicago. But if, if they falter, maybe it's not as it's a tighter game than they they would have liked or anyone would have liked. Does he need to stick with it for a little bit? I, I think so, just because it's such a small sample size, right? I believe the game it started was against the Rangers. That was the first time you saw 12, 13, 26 up top, and then, you know, everything else uh, as it fell. But even if it, let's say, for instance, it doesn't work against Chicago for some reason, you can't, okay, didn't work, switch it. Like, you have to let them continue to build that chemistry Lambert did say, you know, even to the the question that was asked about what are you seeing with Barzell and Walsh? And he said, I, I'm seeing a little bit of something. The following game, they friggin' scored a goal together. So um, you have to allow them to continue to build that chemistry. There are going to be blunders on the ice. It's going to happen. You have to let them work through those things. And, you know, if it's going on for weeks on end, yeah, that's when you change things up. But when it's one or two games where they're faltering a little bit, don't change it up. Let them figure it figure it out because, you know, the the the, the mistakes are what's going to lead to the success. They're going to learn from those mistakes. I think they're going to learn from from the blunders, and they're going to come out on the other side, hopefully, a little smarter, a little wiser, and a little better. So I think they should leave these lines together. Is this the is this the 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 long term answer? Did did Lane Lambert find it? Too soon to tell, right? Small sample size, like I said, but things look good. Things look good right now. I think 26 Wallstrom does belong with Barzell because we said this earlier. It's the natural distributor with the natural shooter. You need that. Flanking them is Josh Bailey. Maybe that's the one piece that doesn't remain, right? I I felt like Bailey played really well in limited minutes on the third line. Now he's on the first line, so he'll obviously be dependent on a little bit more. And Maybe he scored figure out- goals in back-to-back games. He did. You're right. And, and that's the thing. Like, you know, he has these... Um, he has these short windows where he looks really good, but then there might be short windows where he looks really bad. And you might, you know, say to yourself or Lane might say to himself, okay, he needs less minutes for the next few games to get his legs back for, you know, a, a longer stretch of games coming up. So um, maybe you, you switch him with Parise who can still friggin' fly on the ice at 38 years old. So I, I think that this mix right now should remain for at least the next little while, regardless of the outcome. Um, if it happens to be, you know, weeks on end where things aren't working and they're playing maybe 500 hockey, just kind of staying afloat, figure out what's going to get you to that next level and maybe mix it up a little bit. But for right now, it, it looks like this should remain. Yeah, I would hate to see Lambert con- continue to kind of overcoach. And I thought that was the mistake in the kind of the, you know, they were uh, two and four. It was it it was still a lot of tinkering. It was still a lot of yeah. trying to figure these things out. Now it helps when you start to win, and it feels like decisions you're making are validated when they're winning, and 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 the lines are successful. But I, yeah, I agree. I think they need to kind of leave these alone 
for a little bit. I don't know, you know, you say yeah. weeks on end. I know you're just kind of exaggerating, but even just a week, yeah. you know, you go, you go 500 in a certain week. Like, I don't know that that's a recipe to just, you know, blow it up. Um, and they don't really have a ton of options. Like it's, you're, you're right. really, you're really moving around 12, 18 and 11. Like, so it's, yeah, there, there's not a lot you can do, but Villiers didn't really seem to work out on that line. I think being angered by uh, Lee and Nelson is good for Bavillier. And he's That's played much out. better on that line. I think he's looked great. He's He's got at least one goal. I think he needed to score two last week. Um, and he looks good. And that was a player that we had a concern about last, you know, heading into um, those three games that we, we weren't sure like how much longer, right? And, and it, like he right. might finally, you know, I, I think I joked about on the show that I wrote about how he's a perennial breakout player. Eventually, you got to do it, right? And he's 25. Sure. It's not like he's, you know, he's going to go into his peak soon. He just has to do it. So if this is him, his coming out party, finally, in the last two years of his contract um, or the second to last year of his contract, good for him because the team really needs it. And I think that that's one of the more frustrating pieces for the Islanders is when you look at this lineup and you're like, Palmieri, what's going on? Bar, uh, Bavillier, what's going on? Nelson, what's going on? And you're like, these are all players that can score 20 goals. And I don't know that that's asking a whole lot. I know this is the best league in the world. I know that we're sitting um, and, and doing a podcast and not playing. But at the same time, like they've proven that. They've, they've shown that that's, those are things that they can do. And it's the hardest thing in the world to do that on a, on a consistent basis. Forget about season to season, but even game to game. That's why, that's why players don't score every single game. That's why you don't see 82 goal, 82 goal game seasons. Or that's why Gretzky has 92 in a season. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, above a goal. Uh, that's, you know, even, I mean, the points, forget about it at, at, at certain points. But all these players are capable of it. Matt Martin has three. I right, know. Zach Parise has three. Um, Wallstrom has two or three. Um, Nelson has, you know, with a couple empty nets, I think it has three. Um, so like the, the lineup, you're you're seeing that balance. Granted, they ran up the score a couple times, <laughs> so you're you're gonna it's gonna look a little inflated, but it's good that they're finding their game kind of throughout the the, the course of the season that, that throughout the lineup. Um, all these guys can score. I, I I can't say enough good things about the the totality of the lineup, the the lineup as a whole, kind of contributing to each of yeah. these wins in their own way, um, and and different players kind of showing up every single night. And the defense, you know, it wasn't just a flash in the pan where um, some of these players are scoring. Dobson still, you know, he ripped one the other night. He just wired that, and I think that was against the the Colorado. Uh, gets, I think yeah. that was the first eye on their goal. To that get was, on that the was the start of the comeback. And, but that's the confidence that you need. And he, he made, you know, what does, what does Butch say? He made no mistake. You know, he wired that. That was incredible. So knowing that you had those types of players where you, you know, it's like you have an extra second liner and Dobson scoring goals. Um, so I, I think, you know, it only means good things. And, the, the rest of the way, I wonder um, if there's a middle ground. They're not as bad as that losing streak in some of those early games, but they're not as good as winning three in a row against this type of quality team. 
what does that middle ground look like for the Islanders? Even better than middle ground, where they're winning more games than they're losing and really fighting for a playoff spot. What does that middle ground look like? You know what? It's funny you say that because I felt this way about the New York Rangers last season. I felt they weren't as good a team as they were showing out to be. They could score the goals, but they had a hard time uh, defending. The only thing that got them, or I shouldn't say the only thing, the goals helped. But the, the, the main thing that really pushed them to the top of the division and into the playoffs was Igor Shesterkin. And I'm wondering if this is or this can continue to be the result for the Islanders if Ilya Sorokin becomes this year's Igor Shesterkin because he's already begun to do that. I mean, you know, three and three record, but he's two one two uh two point two one goals against and nine thirty three save percentage. And and he's facing the best of the best. So I, I, I that's the thing for me this year is you know. The, the improved blue blue line in the sense that it's faster um, and and the ability to score. Listen, they they also, the Islanders also lead the league in goals for per 60 at 3.75. Can they just continue to score three and a half goals a game? If they do, Sorokin's going to make, you know, 34 out of 35 saves a night. He's going to do that. That's yeah, I, I just I I do wonder about the scoring, and and that might be where even when Sorokin or Varlamov allow two goals, they can't spell at the end for the Islanders, and you know and they proved this week that it didn't, right? Um, right against a team like the Avalanche, which is might be and indicative. Which, Maybe they just had a good game. Who knows? But yeah, and and Semyon Varlamov started that game. He had a good game. Yeah, and I think that's where you know you look at it's it's three games, but. Varlamov is going to play 28 to 30 games ultimately, and Sorokin's going to play the rest. Yeah. Last year, and I've said this all summer about Varlamov, he needs to reverse his record. He can't go 10 and 17. He needs to go 17 and 10, right? If you're going to play that 17, 10, and 2, um, they eventually need to lose a game in overtime and get one in and not in regulation so they can collect some points here and there and, and stay alive in the in the race, uh, you know, win, win the games in regulation, but if you're going to lose, try to push them to OT here um, or, right. or losing the shootout as, as annoying as that is for the most part, you kind of got to play the game, but Varlamov's two and one, his numbers don't look great. 907, 303. Um, but you just have to win the games at, at a certain yeah. point. You don't, he doesn't need to be the one that does it pretty. They need to be able to have confidence um, in who they're going to put in net. And, you know, it, it showed the confidence that the team had as a whole putting in Sorokin in the game. They thought they would win. They said, okay, if we can, we can win this game against Carolina. Um, we're going to put our better goalie in against this team. Cause we think we can beat them uh, more than if, if Sorokin or Verlam was in that, it's going to be the heart of the two games. Let's get the win. Let's make sure we win that at least one, two out of three of these games. And then Verlamov shows up against Colorado on Saturday night. Um, yep. you know, it's, it is Colorado. So they are going to score four, three or four goals a game. That that's just not weird for them, but the resilience by the Islanders and kind of locking it down, I thought was again, indicative of, of maybe what this team is closer to. And, um, 
hopefully it's how they can continue. Um, I want to I want to take the rest of the show before a little trick or treat here um, and go over some players just kind of um, almost word association stealing from uh, they used to do this on 32 thoughts. We've we've stolen it before, um, but but I like it for the Islanders kind of um, I'll, I'll throw the name out there and just, uh, you know, a quick sentence or two on um, what you, what you think about the player um, as of last week or, you know, the season in general. Um Josh Bailey, thousand games, um, stepped up the last few games. What do you think? Uh oh, you started me with a tough one there. Yeah. Polarizing. I'm gonna go with one word there. He's polarizing. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that. It's when he's good, he's good. And when he's not, you know, even in the game he scored, I think it was game nine ninety nine, so it was against Carolina. There were some of those plays he just like he gave up. And then he like redeems himself. I think I even tweeted the dumb and dumber gif of uh, yeah, you, know, you totally redeem yeah. yourself. And then you know, and the next night he scores that beautiful tip in goal and is is you know, all of a sudden he's solidified on the first line. So it's damned if you do, damned if you don't with Josh Bailey. You know, you can't. I believe it you was can't yell at the guy. I believe it was the the goal in the Hurricanes game it was his first goal of the year where I saw you tweet. Damn it, Josh Bailey, what are you doing? Something along those lines. And then 30 seconds later, he scores a goal. And I texted you laughing my ass off. I can't believe that just happened. So yeah. I, I that's and that's the definition of Josh Bailey polarizing. Yeah, no, it's that's not wrong at all. Um, Anthony Bavillier. Uh, he's a player to me that can be. He has the tools to be, let's say, you know, there's a, a a forward tandem, like there was a goalie tandem. If Matthew Barzell is the 1A, Bavillier has the tools to be the 1B. He's just got to figure out, and like you said, we've been saying this forever, how to do that. And I, I'm not sure if he has that in him. Interesting. And, and he's played better. I think if he starts doing what, he's, what he did last week on a regular basis, um, Eclipse the 20 goal mark. I think a lot of that can be erased. We've seen him do yes. it in the playoffs. He needs to just do it over the course of a full season plus playoffs. And I think some fans will have some buy-in. And then, you know, in a contract year, you almost expect him to just kind of blow up a little bit. But if he can build up momentum before two years in a row of of good stats and, and, and solid play, that'll get you paid. Uh, and the Islanders might have some money in the next few seasons to kind of dole out so they can they can keep him around. I, I'd be willing to bet they do. Yeah. I, I, the last thing I'll say about him uh, is that I just think the major difference between a guy like him and Matthew Barzell is that Barzell can score 82 points of his own. Whereas if Pavilion is going to do something similar, he needs to be equipped with the right players. And and that's, I think the difference there. I agree. Uh, you mentioned Matthew Barzell. He, he's our next player here. What do you think? Yeah. Point per game. He's uh he's a point per game player this year. That's just the what I'm seeing from him. Um, like I said earlier, can stand to shoot more, but he's a point per game player. He's already got ten assists in nine games. He's I think go I think it's gonna work with Wallstrom. It's looking good. Um, just because I think Wallstrom particularly looks a lot better than he did last season. Um, and that's only gonna help him. Uh, but he's the guy on that line and, and on the Islanders who's elevating other players, and I think he's doing that right now with the system Lambert has put in, I think it's working better for his game. Uh, so point per game player 
Matthew Barzell. He he's starting to take over here and there. Yeah. He's really starting to be that player. And he did it a little bit against Carolina. Then he really, really did it against Colorado. Yeah. If he can find that gear on a regular basis and as the team around him uh learns to play with him, when to jump up, where to, how to jump in the holes, where's he looking, what's he gonna do? It makes it a little bit easier. Playing with very talented players is difficult. It's not as easy as you think, like, oh, I could score so many goals with Connor McDavid. Forget about that. You couldn't keep up with them. But even if you could, you got to put the rest of it together. And I think the rest of the team struggled with that. I think Walshman in the last two seasons, um, just trying to get his feet wet in the NHL, was very hard to learn. As good of a player as Walshman is, Barzell's kind of on a different level on this team than than most of his teammates. Um, Bailey just has the wherewithal and the hockey IQ to to be in the right spot at the right time. Um, half the time, at least, like you said, polarizing. So Wallstrom to kind of jump in and, and find success there. It's not as easy as you think. Um, you still got to keep up on that two on one. He's like got to be able to, to put a stick on that. That's not an easy pass in stride um, with somebody on you. That's not as easy. Like it doesn't look easy, but it's not a tap in. You know, like that he made it look like that. And talk about no mistake. My goodness, that, that puck was wired. Um, in a and he barely had it on a stick. But Barzell being able to make that pass and connect it, and the two of them kind of gaining chemistry. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a sign of good things to come. Um, Oliver Wallstrom. I think Wallstrom is showing signs of being. This year's Noah Dobson, right? Last year, Dobson went through some of those growing pains, but then put himself on the map. And I think Walsham has that in him this year. He's he started to show, you know, really good signs of life. He's tied for the team leading goals with four, uh, tied with Anders Lee. Um, we're gonna see one or two blunders. I think it's gonna it's gonna happen, but I I do feel at some point. You know, it was it was New Year's Day for Noah Dobson that the, the switch flipped and suddenly he was a 50 point defenseman. Um, I think we're going to see something similar for Wallstrom in the forward group. You know, he's I think he's got that in, in his game. The thing I'm seeing from him is he's a little wiser on the ice. He's making better decisions. He's reliable in the neutral zone and the defensive end. He's not a liability uh, and it's translating well in the offensive end because he's, he's, he's not pushing the puck up the ice. That's not his role, but he knows where he has to be when the, when the puck is going in that direction. And that's a really good sign of a, of a guy like him who can score 25 goals, 30 goals uh, at, at, you know, that might be his max this year. Um, but, but if he, if this continues, you could see it, you know, 25 goals from, from a player like him. October came at the very last minute. What do you say about Brock Nelson? Yeah, that was uh that was a little scary there, right? You you were wondering if we were gonna enter November with zero goals from Brock Nelson, but uh, you know, saved by the bell, uh as as I'd like to say. So uh yeah, I you know I wonder if he can reach 37 again. I don't know if he has 37 or you know, like some some said they wondered if he could reach 40. If he scores 30 goals, I, I think that's good. Um, 
you know the the scoring. What do you what do you end up finishing with in in October? Was it two or three? I think three. He finished. Yeah, so he's got three three goals. You know what I like about him right now? Even though he wasn't scoring, he has nine assists. Uh, I'm sorry, nine points, six assists. Where last year he didn't have many, right? I think he finished the year with like 20 something assists. If I'm not mistaken, he had yeah, 22 assists. He's already got six uh in in nine games. So prorated over 82. I'm not a math guy, but uh going to be more than the 22 he had last year so um i think the points could even out from last year to this year i think he might score a little less but he might assist a little more. yeah i i think you know the Islanders have three point per game players or better and that's just not something that you'd suspect them to have so it's right. it's good that it is a bunch of players with three and four goals um Again, including Zach Parise, I, 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 I love all of it. Um, there's, it's, it's really balanced between, you know, um, it's so crazy that Barzell hasn't scored. Eventually, he'll get that monkey off his back. I don't think that's, uh, you were going to wait too much longer, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I think with with Nelson, yeah, I'm not sure. As long as he hits 25, 30 goals, I'm happy. Um, which is again not easy but getting to 40 i think that was just an anomaly last year he had a lot of opportunities um because the way that the lineup was someone had to score goals so yeah. it, it just it kind of just happened to be him so we know he's capable of it which is good it means you know that's a second kind of dangerous line between him and lee they have seven eight goals together like that's kind of what you want to see um hopefully the two of them can kind of continue to put it together um Speaking of putting putting it together in the tandem of Sorokin and Varlamov, do you like what you've seen so far? Yeah, much more reliable, right? Sorokin was excellent last season, especially given the team that was playing in front of him. But he had those stretches, um, mainly just one. But he had he had that stretch where he was just as lost as the rest of the Islanders. Um, I think it's it's just you know after that he figured it out and and it was. You know, the Sorokin show, once again, he made a ton of saves. That just had us thinking, how the hell did he do that? Um, but for Semyon Varlamov, you're you're seeing a guy who came into camp healthy. He had a good camp, um, or regular camp even, uh, had a regular preseason. And he's got his legs under him to start the year, which has put him ahead of the eight ball. And, and whereas last year, he was behind the eight ball. So um, consistency is the word I think of with those two. Um, and with Sorokin, it's just coming at an extremely high level. Zach Parise. Workhorse. Like, he's the best player. He's, he's the hardest working player on the ice. I've said this since he started uh, with the Islanders last season. He's consistently the hardest working player on the ice. That's why his expected goals for per 60 is uh, number one in the NHL right now. Uh, he's already got three goals, which is uh, three more than he had to this point in last season um doesn't look 38 i'll say that does he looks maybe 30 <laughs> i would buy 28 if somebody showed me a picture of him and i didn't know who he was right um but three goals how many points from the the fourth line that's gravy you know you, you take that three goals four points in in nine games from the third line gravy you take that yeah sister with, with palmieri's two goals all of a sudden that that third line's got five. Um, yeah. 
you know, and Peugeot's solid. Um, I don't know his stats in the, in the face-off circle, but he's generally pretty good, you know, for over 50% most of the time. So um, that's, that's what you want out of your third line. is And uh doesn't hurt that your fourth line's popping in a few here and there. Peugeot's 55.9% in the face-off dot. Yeah, that's that's pretty standard, if if not a little bit higher for him uh, over the course yep. of his career, and, and that's just what he does. Um, he's your your Swiss Army knife. Would love to see him get on the score sheet a little bit more, but if you're just winning draws, and um, which is my you know personally my thing, um, that's that's my even in beer league, that's my skill set is uh, is <laughs> is winning winning faceoffs and uh, getting my butt into the front of the net. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. So I can respect that part of the game. Um, but yeah, you you know you need you guys around you to, to kind of score some goals, and right now that's uh, Palmieri and and Parise. Uh, last one here, Noah Dobson. I love Noah Dobson. He's an emerging number one defenseman. Uh, you know he's. It's funny. I like I, this. Isn't me saying this? Last year, Kevin Weeks said you know something along the lines. We see a little bit of Kale McCarr. In Noah Dobson. Now, obviously, it's not to that extent. It's not to that level, but you're seeing a defenseman who can not only defend well on his own end and skate the puck in transition, but he is able to similarly to McCarr make a play from the blue line and and help contribute on offense. Um in 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 the same echelon as as Barzell does in at the forward group, right? The Islanders were down three nothing against the avalanche and not a minute later after Rodriguez scored his second goal, Noah Dobson said, F it, we need one. And he, and he did it. So I I think that you're seeing a a defenseman who's, you know, going to put himself in the same conversation as the, you know, it, it, it's so hard. Projections are hard, but I think he's a guy who can put himself in the conversation with the, the Yossi's, the McCars, the the Quinn Hughes's, the uh, Miro Heiskanen's. Like he doesn't have that that same burning speed, but he's got the tools and the IQ to put himself on the ice where he needs to be. He can skate the puck decently well to um, put it in transition and push it up the ice, and he has a hell of a shot. You know, he can he can score goals. He knows how to find good shooting lanes. Uh, not often, like Ryan Pollock, for instance, love him as as a defenseman, but he constantly shoots it into the defender's chest. Noah Dobson doesn't do that very often. He finds those shooting lanes and gets the puck through traffic. So um, you're seeing an emerging number one defenseman there. I, I know everybody likes to talk about Adam Pellick, who isn't playing Adam Pellick like this season, um, but Noah Dobson is, is clearly. Uh, that guy who's if he's not the number one yet, he's he's getting there. I, I agree. Uh especially on the Pelic thing, I'd like him to kind of like solidify himself a little bit, uh, kind of get back to his old ways. It could just be learning the system and jumping up in the plays and, and finding that transition. Yeah. It, everyone's kind of making mistakes and um he's he's a player that I think will even out. I'm I'm not I'm not worried about him. He's proven time and time again that that he's that player. Pulak, I'd love for him to find the net a little bit more. He does have one on the season already, um, which you know, kind of a good sign. Um, you, you'd like him if he can do this over the you know one every eight games or so. 
um, that's pretty good because he's you know he can sc- he has scored nine or ten goals in a season. Um, he still has a hit the net. You know, I, yeah. I'm happy for him to hit somebody. It means that it was on the ice surface. Um, but usually he's he's missing the net. Uh, something serious. Um, I do want to get to your game though to end the All show. Right. So uh, what do you got? So uh, trick or treat, similar concept to buy or sell. Um, if it's a trick, means you're selling. If it's a treat, you're buying. Uh, first thing I have here, New York Islanders fourth line looks like themselves again. Trick or treat? I don't want to bet against myself. Like I've an in, like they really looked bad last season, and I get maybe they're all healthier this year and they're on a really good run. I don't know if it's consistent right now. I'm on treat. But I, I'd be willing to bet that by Thanksgiving, they might come back to earth a little bit and at least not scoring goals. Um, I'm going to say treat for myself for one of the reasons that you stated, that they're they're healthy this season. Uh, they they do That does attribute to one of the reasons why they look like their former selves. But the reason why they got healthy was because they had the time to rest this summer, right? Obviously, the outcome last season wasn't what you wanted, but it might have benefited them in the long run um, by getting that that rest that they haven't had in in years, right? The, the COVID years, the back-to-back uh, Eastern Conference ch- uh, finals that they went to were, you know, so close in proximity that, um, you know, there was really no rest in between the seasons. And the kind of game that they play where they bang bodies a lot and they're, you know, constantly forechecking and in your face, um, I think that the rest this summer did them some good. Uh, and I think that they can, especially, you know, Matt Martin was playing last season, mostly injured through from November on uh, for the, the whole season. Uh, I, I do think that they they can sustain this um, and give the, you know, and in the new Lambert system, it's a little bit faster. And I think that they thrive under that, that speed a little bit. Uh, I do think that this is something that uh, they, they at least have another season looking like. Uh, next one, we have the Bailey Barzell and Wallstrom line looks good. Uh, is this a trick or a treat that will remain? I think it's a trick. I don't think this is the line as a whole that will stay together. Um, okay. As we've seen kind of Bailey and Bavillier switching spots, Lee has kind of gone up there a little bit. Um, I do think Lee and Nelson are, are a good duo, so that should ultimately stay together. Um, Parise spent some time up there, so like I don't know what the solution is. If this just continues to be well, you know, like I'm, you know, happy to be wrong. I just wonder if this is the line. Um, you know, maybe even if Bailey doesn't play well, and Wallstrom and Barzell are, maybe it doesn't matter. That you know, Bailey is just like at least he's not a liability. That might just be good enough. Um, I'm not sold on it yet. I I want to see some more. Great connections are definitely building chemistry, but as it stands right now, I I I don't totally buy it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there. I'm gonna go trick as well. I I don't foresee Bailey sticking in that trio. I think the duo of Barzell and Wallstrom has a good chance to stick together. Uh, however, they're going to have to figure out that left side. I don't think Bailey can can hang with them for 
you know the remainder of the this season uh whether that's via a promotion or via trade uh let's say you know they're in it by uh february towards the trade deadline and they they need to make an acquisition um i don't necessarily know that bailey can hang on the top line you know there's a lot of a lot of miles on on his feet you know uh on the ice so i think this is a trick just in the in the sense that josh bailey won't remain uh next one trick or treat the islanders lead the nhl in goals for per 60 trick i think they can stay up there but that's not their game and and this is where i was talking about earlier where they come back to earth a little bit they're not gonna you know win games one nothing or two nothing or two one and then all of a sudden score six and five and like consecutive games and 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 just score four to six goals a game for and and keep that that up there um I think their expected goals might stay high be, just because they have a couple of players um, that have shown that, you know, Zach Parise in particular. Um, I just wonder if expected goals and actual goals will remain the same. You know, if they'll they'll think they'll kind of stay um, parallel to one another, or if one will divert from the other, even if they score goals, but their expected goals are down because they're shooting less. Um, or the other way around, where they're yeah, they're expected goals are up because they're owning the puck a little bit more and and getting those shots on goal, but they're just not going in. Um, you know, it could just be like we we could do a test between now and and uh, at the end of the month in November and just see like did their PDO change? What's their luck? And the you know it's an older stat, but it might be telling about you know are they actually scoring goals or what's you know what's what's changed here? Are they not getting the saves? Are other teams riding P- PDO benders where they're they're playing really well? Like, what's kind of going into a little bit, little bit of this behind the scenes? But um, goals four per sixty, not exactly um, an advanced stat, but um, you know, better known as goals per game for the most part. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. If, if they're a top team by season's end, I would be very surprised in this particular stat. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with trick as well, only because I, I still question the firepower, right? We know Nelson can score 30. We know Lee can score 30 after that. It's a bunch of, they can score 30. They have potential uh, or 20. Even they have potential to score 20. You know, we're wondering if Wallstrom can hit that plateau. We're hoping Paul Mary can return to that plateau. Uh, we're thinking Bavillier can eventually get back to that plateau. But, you know, not many players on this team can you sit there and say, yeah, they're going to score 20, 30 goals definitively. It's Brock Nelson, it's Anders Lee, and then it's question marks from there. Uh, last one here for you, trick or treat. Anthony Bavillier, four points in the last four games. Is this legit? Is this Anthony Bavillier we're going to see for the rest of the season, or does he fall off? I'm going to buy on him. I'm going to go treat. I don't want to bet against myself. Oh. I, the team needs him to do well. He needs wow. to be. He needs to be uh, this player. For, you know, for his own contract and whatever this offseason can mean. Um, 
whether he stays on Long Island or not after this summer, depending on, you know, contract extensions or if he has a good season, maybe he's an asset and they trade him. I don't know what it's hard to think so far ahead because we're, we're trying to figure out what this roster is and we, we know what we would want to change. But like if they actually start playing well, it's they you know, doubling down on the roster again, tripling down or whatever you want to call it, however many seasons it starts to get a little tricky. So they really, for his own benefit and the team, he really needs to make this one work because we can't keep having this conversation. Eventually, we will stop having this conversation. I mean, we know it's... Eventually, he is what he is. He's going to show us what he is ultimately. And this is what we all thought he could be. And he's shown in the playoffs, as we said. He, he really needs to show up for himself. He needs to show up. So yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, Interesting. I'll go treat. I don't want to bet against the team. Interesting. Um, I'm gonna have the opposite. I'm gonna say trick. I don't think history favors him. We've been, like you said, traditionally uh, having this discussion every year, saying, you know, he's the perennial breakout guy. Uh, doesn't really ever follow through with that, and hasn't really until this point. We've seen flashes of. Of this right oh he, you know pavilion collected you know five points in his last five games he's looking like he's really getting going and then the, the following you know six or seven games he has maybe an assist so uh i'm gonna go with trick on this one he needs to show me more of a sample size of consistency uh and that wraps it up for the i guess first edition of what will become buy or sell on on uh and hockey here we're gonna do more of these yeah, I like that. I like the name association, but I, I do like this too because it's some larger trends and, and some different things. Um, and that wraps it up for the show as well. Uh, thanks for bringing that kind of last minute uh, note to the show. Is that was that was definitely fun. Uh, make sure you please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Aspen Hockey. You can find James' work at the Fourth Period, and you can find my work at the hockey writers and make sure to subscribe to Isles Fix, an excellent curated Islanders daily newsletter. James, bring us home. Until next time, all let's go Islanders.